0: Your boredom is over because we're just getting started here on post show recaps, most shows recaps, Talking about the X Files this week. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wigler. I'm joined here by uh, many men who you guys listen to on these podcasts regularly that uh, probably want to make you put a you know thing through your ear every once in a while. <laughs> Rob Sussmanino and Antonio Mizar and AJ Mass.
1: What's up, guys? Hey. <laughs> Hello Josh. I uh, I have a knife right here. It's like a letter opener. Should I jam it in? Should I just I don't think you should
0: do that on the air. Okay. Un- I do not recommend it. Yeah, we're right. getting the band back together. Getting the band back together. Adding AJ Mass this week who has been on Mosho's recap many times before has also been on plenty of show recaps here.
2: AJ, what's up? Hey, good to be back, Uh, and uh, the truth is out there, folks. The truth really is.
0: Apparently, yeah, the truth is out there. The truth is going to be in here this week on our podcast. We are talking all X-Files all the time. AJ, we always love having you on here, but we really actually need you on here this week because, as we've admitted in uh, one of these podcasts that we did when we came back in 2016, our collective knowledge, the MSR Roundtable hosts... We don't know a ton of X-Files. Uh Antonio, what did we say? 30%? Yeah, I think we both agreed we were somewhere in the neighborhood of 30%. Yeah, and Rob, what's your percentage? 3%. 3%. <laughs> 3% X-files. These two episodes I saw Josh. one episode in 1994, so 3%. Uh-huh. Okay, so you've seen 3% X-Files. And AJ, how much percent X-Files are you in?
2: Uh, I uh, am actually old enough to have watched the uh, first uh, pilot episode uh, in first run and uh, watched all the way through pretty much until the doggie year. I I, I kind of bailed once once we lost uh, Mulder there.
0: Did you finish the show? Did you finish the series or were you totally out?
2: I was pretty much out. Uh enough people who were watching it uh, at the time who I trusted kind of told me, "Yeah, you can kind of end here and you you'll feel good about it." So I I, I kind of didn't go back. I never actually did see the uh series finale, but now uh, it's no longer the series finale, so I'm I'm happy with that. I, I now feel that uh I can roll on with this uh mini series and and have caught off pretty much without ever have to yeah. Even the series finale wasn't
0: quite the series finale because they did a follow-up movie that I gather everybody loved. Everyone really liked the uh, 2008 X-Files movie. Uh,
2: They didn't have me at Billy Connolly. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I I tapped out. I just, I just never did. I went to see the first movie. I, this, this, this show at the height of the first movie uh, was operating on all cylinders and everything was just like fantastic. Uh, My friends and I would get together and and we would have parties and, you know, there'd be much imbibing of alcohol and there'd be much food and, and, and regaling each other's stories. But when the X-Files came on, we all sat silently for an hour, watched it, enjoyed, uh, and then proceeded with the party once the show was over. It was appointment television at its finest.
0: All right. Well, let's proceed with the X-Files party here on Post Show Recaps. We are talking X-Files, which just came back this past week, it had been off the air since 2002. It came back, uh, for a movie in 2008. Now it's back with six new episodes here in 2016. And Antonio, it's kind of like this weird situation where, um, X Files came back huge. You know, you can, you can speak to the numbers. We were talking a little bit offline before we started here about, uh, the ratings on this show, but it's also at the same time, I feel like it came back very, I wouldn't even say critically divisive, it seems like most people were thumbs down on the premiere.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, because I don't know how many of these critics were huge X-Files fans, some of them seem to have been, some of them maybe not as much, so I'm not 100% sure what every single critic is evaluating this first episode on, uh, whether it's a knowledge like AJ's, or uh, some greater degree thereof, or whether it's some lesser kind of bit, maybe like a 3% solution like Rob. But that said, people did watch the premiere, uh, 16.19 million, according to uh, the kind of unsettled numbers, because, of course, we still have to do a week out with the DVRs and everything. That would mean that it was the highest rated kind of X-Files premiere uh, in several seasons for the X-Files. And this day and age, 16.19 million people is a lot of people to be watching a television show. So good on the X-Files, I guess, for finding a way to make themselves appointment television again. But, yeah, the critics were certainly divided. Um, And I think some of the critics had seen the first two episodes. Some had seen the first three. uh, Some maybe had seen less. So uh, the X-Files has always been a show, and I I think AJ can really speak to this, where its episodes sort of fall into a couple of different categories. uh, And these first two episodes certainly follow with that kind of format. So I'm not sure if certain critics prefer the monster, the weak type, type episodes of certain prefer the mythology, but the mythology in the first episode, super heavy. And that could, I think, turn a lot of people off.
3: If I may jump in just on the ratings thing, one thing, an important thing to remember is that I believe that this premiere aired as I was following AJ Mass on Twitter. They said, Hey, look, can we get this NFC championship game over so we can see uh, Scully and Mulder pretty soon. I mean, that's a, a huge, huge uh, TV audience. It's almost like a post-Super Bowl slot for the premiere. So I did it did on the second night come a, a bit more down to earth. So it wasn't quite the juggernaut it was in the Sunday premiere outing. Okay. Right. That's
1: true. There were still, I think, around or, or over 10 million or, or near to 10 million people watching the second episode. So we did have some drop off, as you say, Rob. Uh, and I think a lot of people maybe didn't even realize, uh, oh, we're going to another episode. Oh, it's a new episode, two nights in a row. But yeah, we'll see how it continues. Because I think this, uh these first two episodes were a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, and that seems to be the general consensus. So yeah
0: um aj what's your take on the premiere of the miniseries of the six episode mini series? as a big fan of the show because antonio and i we were texting yesterday after we had both watched the premiere and i think antonio you, you agree with me it's kind of like i this doesn't seem that bad uh but maybe it was because you and i don't have a deep deep connection with the show and we also got feedback from someone not aj but kj KJ had written in to us and said, I hope you guys are watching X-Files. I'm not an original fan, but I know as much about it as the average nerd. And the first episode was engaging, uh, but I forgave it because it was a, a reboot pilot needing to cover a lot of ground about the expositional rants. Uh, this series is dope, according to KJ. What is it, according to AJ, who is a big X-Files guy?
2: Well, just having Mulder and Scully back on my TV screen and interacting with each other, I think they're just great characters and the chemistry between uh Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny when it's on is electric and it was just really great to see them back together. In terms of the story, uh, the opening sequence and montage was already full of such uh retconning of the of the story, not not major but it seemed to be inconsistent with the mythology as the series uh, left it off. And for me, that was disappointing. But I also understand that enough time has passed and I'm willing to to overlook it. Uh, I think a lot of people who are critical of the episode probably weren't as willing to overlook it. I mean, there were many, many episodes over the course of the, especially the second half of the show's run where we saw aliens and we saw uh, spaceships. And, and so aliens did exist. And for the first episode to really focus a little bit on uh, Mulder saying, oh, gosh, Scully, maybe it wasn't aliens ever. Maybe it was always the government. It, it just didn't ring true for me. And it kind of felt like just a, a revisionist history that didn't quite fit. But that said, I still enjoyed seeing the characters. Um And by the time episode two rolled around, that was very much in line with with the X-Files I knew uh, in spirit and tone. uh, And I'm really looking forward to episode three, uh, even more so. Uh, We can get to that later. But uh, the the type of episode that episode three is, uh, is my favorite type of X-Files episode. So I'm very looking forward to it.
0: Can you break that down? You know, types of X-Files episodes. I think for people who don't know the show super well, that might sound confusing. I know what you mean. Um, but, but what was, you know, in terms of structure, in terms of format, in terms of the way this story or at least this world unraveled on the X-Files when it was on back in the 90s through 2002, what were the types of episodes you would get into with the X-Files?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, most shows are procedurals where, you know, you don't have to watch from week to week. Uh, you know, your, your criminal minds, your CSIs. You, know, what, you, you come in, you see the first scene is kind of like this mystery. Uh, someone's killed on uh, the X-Files that someone is usually killed in a supernatural or monster related way. Uh, but then, you know, then the detectives come in, Mulder and Scully, to solve the crime. And by the end of the episode, they have either solved it or the bad guy's gotten away, but the story's over and you can then, you know, set it aside and, You know, forget it. So if you missed that episode, a monster of the week episode, as we call them, then, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, There's not a lot that is advanced in terms of the overarching uh, story for the series. Then there are the mythology based episodes. And these episodes were always signaled uh, in the opening credits. Every opening credits ended with the truth is out there. Except for the mythology episodes where the words were changed to something different, whether it was, you know, trust no one or it was like words in the Navajo language. You know, when you saw something different in the opening credits, uh, you got a little charge because, you know, oh, this is this is a story from the mythology and the plot's going to be advanced and we're going to learn about the alien conspiracy. Uh, And that was a continuing story. So uh, there were a lot of fans who were more into the continuing story. And there were more fans, and there were a lot of fans, you know, who were interested in just the monster of the week, and they didn't really worry about that stuff. Uh, So I think you had a show that was uh, consistent in in tone, but uh, for those who were into that kind of continuing story, oh, I have to watch! I can't wait what happens next. There were two types of episodes there, and then there was the third type of episode, which was generally just the the oddball episode or the comedy episode, where it wasn't even a monster of the week. It was just this absolute tone breaking tone shifting whether it was just complete comedy or you know they did one episode where it was as if it was a comic book um you know and there was one episode in black and white that ended with a frankenstein monster singing with share i mean and it was a share impersonator but it was supposed to be the real share i mean like, it was just bizarre but you never knew what to expect with those episodes and i love those Personally, uh, most of all, because it was just breaking new ground for television, and it was a TV show that wasn't afraid to just be fun with their characters and just say, hey, this doesn't really count, but what if this happened? And I, I thought that was all, all three different types of episodes were part of what made The X-Files unique.
0: Yeah. So the first episode of the revival is all mythology all the time. Second episode seems like it was mostly monster of the week with uh, a touch of mythology, with, with everything that was going on with the Williams situation. Rob, for somebody who had watched 3% X-Files, including this 2% of the miniseries... Which one did you prefer? Did you, did you like one more than the other?
3: Yeah, I think that I was probably more interested in the first episode because I was interested in sort of it coming back. Again, this is a six-episode run, so I felt like, okay, this is going to be important stuff to do. And then for it to come back in only a six-episode format, like I really wasn't particularly interested in the procedural format in terms of why are we wasting time here if we only have six hours of X-Files? Why don't we just tell one story the whole way through?
0: Right. Antonio, how about you?
1: Yeah, I I think that that it, Rob makes a very valid point, and I'm not sure exactly how uh, – AJ talks about how the third episode is probably more in line with the kind of oddball, off-the-wall, uh, fun kind of episode, and that's fine. Uh, and my, my understanding is that the sixth episode is also going to be a mythology episode, meaning four and five are probably somewhere – Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to fit in the myth arc or if they're going to be Monster of the Week or uh, if they're going to be Oddball or what they're going to be. But um, I kind of agree with Rob that uh, I would probably have preferred to see sort of a a miniseries that that kind of played out. But that's not really the spirit of the X-Files, as AJ was kind of articulating. Uh, The spirit of the X-Files was to be this show that kind of hid in all these different ways and uh, different fans of the show were pleased by different things so it makes sense if they're doing fan service that they're going to have monster of the week stuff when they bring it back that they're going to have oddball stuff Uh, and I think more than anything I'm pleased at least that the show seems to be wanting to do that fan service uh, in the return and it is not just trying to uh, grasp for new viewers uh, that it's not forgetting the people uh, and trying to do a little bit for a lot of the people uh, who like the various aspects of the show
0: for new viewers like us there's three of us on here who are basically new viewers i did i did a little bit of watching of season one uh before we got into this courtesy of our good friend brendan fitzpatrick who came up with a really great uh you know kind of trimmed down viewing suggestion of the full series it's basically like eight episodes per season uh i tried to get caught up in time for the miniseries, I was unable to do so. You can thank How to Get Away with Murder for getting in the way of that attempt to watch the X-Files. How to, how to Get in the Way with Murder? Yeah, How to Get in the Way of the X-Files rewatch. Uh, so that, that's where I was. But for, but for new people, and it seems like there must be a ton of new people who are watching this show. You don't get numbers like that unless just like everybody who was a huge X-Files fan suddenly woke up and decided to start watching TV again. I feel like there's a ton of new people that are coming to this thing, so for those people a j what do we what do we need to know about the story as it unfolded in the original run? What do we still need to hang on to things like the william thing like what what happened that seems to be essential to the show that we're watching now
2: I, I will say they did a really good job in that in that montage pretty much of of telling you everything you needed to know um you know, there might be a little bit of a uh, backstory of uh, the fact that Mulder used to work by himself uh, and Scully came in and was kind of hired by uh, people whose strings were being pulled by the cigarette smoking man. Uh, and she was kind of tasked with uh, poo-pooing Mulder, keeping him in check and kind of like shutting him down. Uh, for whatever mysterious reasons Uh, and but over time because scully was such a uh, a uh, dedicated agent and an honest person uh, she grew to understand that Mulder was actually not so delusional after all uh, and they kind of teamed up and the two of them began working against the powers that be and the puppet masters uh behind the scenes so i mean that's kind of where it it went. I mean, in terms of the mythology, there was a lot of nonsense, and, and, and it contradicted itself a lot. Chris Carter uh, created a great world and a great couple of characters, but his ability to juggle all the balls of this conspiracy that was going on with the aliens, and there were different types of aliens, and there was black oil, and there were, there were honeybees. I mean, it was just very confusing, even for someone who watched all the time and, and likes this sort of thing. So I would say you really don't need to know anything uh, that you haven't seen in that first episode. I mean, they explained the whole uh, you know, kid being put up for adoption pretty well. I, and and I, that wasn't even a major uh, part until the very end of the story anyway. So I, I, I think you are caught up. The one thing I would suggest if you're going to watch an episode uh, in advance of the last uh, four episodes here, uh, watch an episode called Home because uh there's an episode episode four in this limited run is called home again uh and i can only imagine that it's going to be a follow-up to that episode so you may want to check that one out but uh do it uh uh long after you've eaten
0: <laughs> oh boy <laughs> that sounds <laughs> ominous what is what are we getting into with home I can uh,
2: I
1: can I can set that up. I've, I've watched home. Yes, uh, I
2: think Antonio. I think that's probably your neck of the woods kind
1: of setting up. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Hey, AJ, what color is that neck? No, um, oh, <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, it might be a little red, like my face is right now. Yeah, the uh, home is a uh, home is a little bit uh, maybe True Detective season one, a little bit uh, Buckner family from Cabin in the Woods. Uh, there there is a family that is in a rural Pennsylvania town. Uh, A town seemingly untouched by anything dark or uh, sad or scary. Uh, But this family is uh, seemingly inbred over generations. And that inbreeding has just caused them to descend into more and more kind of feral states. And they are, uh, it's a pretty brutal scenario when you really step back and think about what's happening uh, in the episode of Home. Uh, And uh, AJ points out that there are these, and Brendan Fitzpatrick's kind of uh, cold list, really hits on some of these big episodes and that because they were big episodes and notable episodes, those are the ones that I've kind of cherry picked and already looked at a lot of those. And home is certainly one. We had a thread at, uh, at the Rob has a website, a kind of patron group where people were talking about uh, the X files and everyone just said, when I saw home, I was terrified. Oh my gosh, I saw home and I couldn't sleep at night. So there it's one of those notorious X files episodes Uh, with uh, the kind of inbred family uh, that causes a lot of people to really uh, have issues. Uh, So really looking forward to home again,
2: for sure. That's right, Antonio. (laughs) That's
1: right. Oh, my God. I'm not even sure which of the three of you that was. It's terrible. It should be any of us. The truth is out there. That's the great thing about the X-Files, right, is that there are these just high watermark episodes that are great. uh, Creature of the week. Monster of the Week B movie uh kind of fantastic things that they get to experience. Home really doesn't have much to do, for example, with aliens or the myth arc. Uh it just is a very weird case that Scully and Mulder are involved with. Uh and you know, it doesn't really fit into the the, the stuff you're talking about with Joel McHale at the beginning of this first episode, uh the grander conspiracy that may or may not be in play.
0: Rob, how did you feel about Joel McHale?
3: You know, I feel like I was very excited to see Joel McHale here. And with all due respect for, you know, Joel McHale's job, I felt like it was sort of a waste of Joel McHale because that he wasn't doing any of the Joel McHale things that you would expect from him from either Community or The Soup or uh, in TED or anything that he's been in where he also is, you know, playing sort of like a smarmy, sarcastic guy. He was just pretty straight in this role. And I felt like that you could have had anybody in this role. So I thought it got my hopes up a little bit like, oh, here's going to be some great Joel McHale stuff. But I felt like that he was uh, just pretty, you know, he was fine, but he wasn't what you expect from Joel McHale. What did you think, Antonio?
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I do think that there's going to be some notable casting. If you go back, Josh, and you do complete uh, any large percentage of the, the cold list, even uh, from the X-Files, you're going to see a lot of great, not even just that guy actors. I mean, very famously, Brian Cranston uh, appears on an episode, I believe it's called Drive of the X Files, uh, that inspired Vince Gilligan, who was a writer uh, for some parts of the show, to realize that he could cast Brian Cranston in that kind of role uh, in, that he cast him for in Breaking Bad. Uh, that was the inspiration for seeing Brian Cranston as Walter White. So you're going to see a lot of great actors or notable actors. Uh, in sort of bit parts in the X-Files. Uh, so I think it is in keeping with that tradition that we see a kind of a person like Joel McHale seemingly underused or maybe not giving us exactly what we expect. Um, it, it is notable for, I think, the X-Files to use kind of key character actors or key roles here. Um, this talking head kind of web talk show, uh, it's something that Joel McHale is familiar with, certainly. But I agree, he he didn't get to do much and it could have been really anybody playing that role. Uh, I don't know. I, I have a question for AJ, really, though. This first episode, there's so much of the kind of story of this is what's happening, and Mulder really seems to turn on a dime with what Mulder has been a lot of the series. As a fan of the of the show, uh, did it really rub you the wrong way? Did we do too much too quickly here? Um, do you have any kind of critical points to make about uh, the, the general uh, idea behind the first episode, uh, seeing the flashback to Roswell and and kind of really the way that the show just said, all of a sudden, Mulder's going to believe that it's just, all of it's been a lie, and it's just government testing. And it just seems like a rehash story from, I don't remember, somewhere earlier in the series from an episode I've seen where Mulder starts to believe that it's not aliens, that it's people that are working against people and so forth and so on. Is is this the reason that the first episode seems to have missed for so many people?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it was... (laughs) it it didn't seem like the characters had found their voice either i think i don't know if the shooting schedule also had this being the first one that was shot but it it didn't seem like they were wearing their skins properly um and the dialogue seemed a little hollow and maybe it's just chris carter uh may not be on his game with this one uh because it just seemed like there was a lot of lines that just fell flat and a lot of their interaction didn't really work for me um whereas You know, like I said, just one episode later, I found that there was at least some humor in it. And they were, you know, Mulder is the best when he's cracking jokes. And and yes, they can explain that away by by, you know, Scully saying, well, Mulder is very depressed right now. And I I understand if you're, you know, actually suffering from a clinical condition like depression, you're not going to be cracking jokes all the time. Uh, And maybe your mental state might not be uh, as sharp as as we expected. But, you know, the fact that their relationship was rusty actually kind of works with the amount of time it was between episodes so uh i'm not i'm trying not to be as critical of it because uh, I, I enjoy having it on the air uh and i enjoy how it developed from the first episode to the second episode um and uh, but a lot of that also has to do with the writers i mean chris carter wrote the first one james wong wrote the second one uh and darren morgan's writing the third one and his episodes have always been uh, my favorite, uh, he, he wrote most of the comedy oddball episodes and including, uh, one with Peter Boyle called Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, which is to me the best episode of the X-Files. Um, so I'm really looking forward to three. Glenn Morgan wrote, wrote the fourth one, which is the home again reprise, but Chris Carter wrote five and six. And that, that, you know, I think this might end with a dud. That's, that's my fear is that it, it it's going to probably rise two, three, four, and then I don't know if the mythology episodes in five and six are going to really uh, drag it back down again. Um, and and I think David Duchovny's uh, as an actor, I don't think he's he's Mulder anymore in many ways, and I think that uh, that might be dragging it down. I I don't necessarily think that Gillian Anderson is playing Scully the same way she used to play her either. But um, she's done a lot of work. There's a British show that you can stream on Netflix called The Fall, which uh, she plays a police uh, detective. And I I, I basically see her playing that character in this. But it's a very similar character, so it works for me.
0: I was going to ask you about, AJ, about um, your take on Duchovny as Mulder and Gillian Anderson as Scully here in the revival. I was watching this with my wife last night with Emily and we had been watching you know the older episodes together as well so we went through our abbreviated season one together and we were really loving the show the chemistry between the two of them was so much fun Uh, and then the the premiere I I did think and even in the second episode I'm I'm good with what Jillian Anderson is doing as Scully I still think that she's terrific but Duchovny does look a little he looks like sleepy Mulder. he's not spooky Mulder.
1: You prefer, yeah, you prefer older Mulder, is what you're saying. <laughs> older Mulder.
0: He's like he is old. Older Mulder is sleepy Mulder. Younger Mulder was spooky Mulder. And it really does feel to me. I'm curious for your take, AJ. Do you think that is his heart just not in it? It kind of seems like he's just sort of he's just sort of there.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, like I said, I I think you'll probably see a uh, better Mulder in three because it's a comedy episode, and I think that's where David DeCovney always shined is that balance of of deadpan lines with with a sense of humor behind it and actually telling, you know, outright telling jokes was always part of Mulder. Uh, Mulder depressed, doesn't work. It, it's just, it's not his character. Um, and I think part of the unease in the audience was also reflected in, in the portrayal of Scully. I mean, she was just like, She didn't want to be with him in the first episode. She was like, get away. And a lot of that was personal history of the characters. They had been together and then, you know, Mulder was gone and, you know, hadn't been in touch with her for many years. So I I get that. Um, Yeah, I I just I just don't know that um, the writing is doing Duchovny enough service in the first episode. Episode and a half, but you know the scene—the scene in the second episode where he's you know at the bar with the you know talking to the guy and there's the misunderstanding about what his true intentions are. I thought that that was classic Mulder again, and that made me laugh. And I was like, okay, that that's Mulder right there. That that's that's kind of funny, you know, where the guy like points to him and is like, no, the truth is in here, my friend. You know, like that, that was funny. That that's that's the Mulder I like. That was good. I like <laughs> that. Uh, Rob, do you have a hot take on Mulder and Scully?
0: Since you barely know him. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I have a a hot take
3: on them. I did feel like uh, between episode one and episode two, like I did feel like that, you know, they were very sort of reluctant to get back together. And then all of a sudden I did feel like it was a little weird that by the second episode, they were just back in the swing of things investigating a case. And I felt like that that was a bit of a leap from where we ended after the first
2: episode. Yeah. The key point on that one though, is that the second episode was the fifth one they shot. And that's the only one they moved out of order, um, and you can do that when you have Monster of the Week episodes it doesn't matter where you put it. that was actually supposed to be episode five, and I think they they moved it because the, they wanted to at least show you that the chemistry actually does work, uh, so that might have played into it. so strange that they that they moved that up, that they
0: moved that up. I guess like you said, they just have the flexibility that they can do that if it's not impacting any kind of story arc um,
1: it just but seems it, kind of it just seems kind of a mess to me. Yeah, I mean, it honestly, just, it just, it's like Jenga X Files. Yeah, it just is like oh, so maybe they shot what they shot and they got it all. They got it all in the can, and they start editing it, and they're like, oh my gosh, this first episode we have some chemistry issues, or we have some uh, moldy molder issues. It's like this is not going to play well. Uh, we need to get we need to get them back. We need to get them back and happy right away. Like we need to we need to you know we're, well here's what we're gonna do. We're going to put it on the next night. We're not going to make people wait a week because all people are going to talk about that week is Moldy Mulder. So we're going to go the next day uh, and we're going to air a next episode, but we can't air the next episode because it's not really that good in the next episode. We'll just pull episode five in, um, which is maybe the best one we've got. And we'll, we'll control the narrative that way by putting our best foot forward as quickly as as possible after that intro episode, so that's what it seems like to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a little. Maybe I'm a little too much Fox Mulder. I'm reading into the conspiracy too much, but it just <laughs> seems like that for sure. No, the truth I, is happening. I, think.
0: I, I feel that. I, I'm get. I'm getting that sense too. That it just kind of feels like we have to do a little bit of plug and play. We have to do a little bit of triage because it's right. not. It's not quite working. That being said, you know, as we've mentioned numerous times now, it it did huge ratings wise. And yeah, Rob, it's, you know, probably largely because of the football bump. That's going to be a big deal. But if those numbers are still really big next week, and even if they're not, Rob, you got to imagine that this is not going to be the only X-Files miniseries.
3: Let's see where the numbers ultimately end up after six episodes. Because I think that the X-Files in 2016 is going to be a a pretty interesting test case. Because here's the X-Files now in this post-lost world where sort of like the vagaries of all of these mysteries, what's going to be solved, what's going to not be solved... Like over, you know, 10 seasons, they could string you along quite a bit of what's going to go on with this ongoing mythology. But I really do wonder if that's going to play as well of sort of like raising these mysteries, which they're not probably going to answer at the end of these Six episodes in any satisfying way, whereas I kind of feel like that the procedural stuff is going to still play and probably work better and be more satisfying because at least any questions they raise in the hour will be answered at the end of the hour, as opposed to the stuff that's going to be pulling at some ongoing mystery, which the show may never end up resolving.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, AJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the consensus is, and certainly in my experience of going back and watching that first season, is that the the Monster of the Week stuff uh, holds up better um, in a lot of ways than the mythology. And I know we've been asked this by a few people. We'll get into, into feedback in a little bit. But one of the the recurring notes that I've seen from, from people who, who want to ask us questions and just people in general who are responding to the X-Files is, Maybe they should have just done six monsters of the week rather than trying to push the mythology. What's your take on that, AJ?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think in today's binge-watching era, if you wanted to do the overarching mythology and put this on Netflix, I would have been fine with it. And and then you could do the, the mythology because I don't have to wait and everything. Uh, but these self-contained stories are still my favorite episodes, and they hold up because it's not, hey, uh, did you see that X-Files? Which one? the one where they discuss the alien conspiracy. Yeah, which one? <laughs> uh, you know, you, there's there's nothing there. It's it but if you say did, did you see that you know that X-files with the, with the inbred family. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so I, I do think you're right that there's there's a lasting uh, refreshing thing to just having this is a new story and this is a new monster and this is this is an episode where this happens. Um and it you know, it's there's a beginning a middle and an end. And yes, the mythology over the course of many years was almost like a palate cleanser. You know, you, crazy monster, crazy monster. How many crazy monsters can you come up with in a season? Not, not too many. You need time to come up with more creative stuff. So you could always fall back on the mythology where you didn't have to answer the questions. And in many ways, um, it, it's lazier writing because you don't have to have the end. You just have to add more to the middle. So, I think you're right that uh, the staying power for this series is definitely in terms of the Monster of the Week, and I do wish they had done nothing but Monster of the Week.
0: Antonio, how have you been going back and watching any old X-Files? I know that uh, you'd paid attention to our good friend Fitzy's list.
1: Yeah, and I pulled through a bunch of those, and I and I looked at the kind of synopsis on a lot of them and realized I'd seen a fair amount, like I said, because i always been kind of a cherry picking viewer of the X-Files, just kind of pulling the episodes because to me, the monster of the week stuff, it's fine. Uh, and some of them are better than others, obviously, but I don't need to watch a show like that. I was a big fan of fringe and fringe really struggled with the mythology versus monster of the week balance. And then finally fringe decided, forget it. We're all mythology. And I think the show was much better for that, but it was also shorter than the X-Files. The X-Files is like 10 seasons with this miniseries and a couple of movies. So there's a lot to kind of prop up. And if you're telling a story that's propelling itself forward in a compelling way, it's hard to sustain that over the course of seasons uh, that The X-Files did. So I did go back and and watch a lot of what was on Brendan's list. I'm not quite finished with it yet. Uh, So I have not watched all the way through the kind of highlights of all nine seasons of The X-Files. I've not seen either movie. Uh, But it, it is interesting to me because... A lot of these these network television shows from the past, 22, 23 episodes, we're not necessarily used to watching that many episodes nowadays. Some of us obviously watch shows that still have that kind of episode order, but a lot of series and a lot of these Netflix originals, HBO shows, cable shows, they only have a 10 to 13 episode order. That's obviously a lot easier to sustain, also a lot easier to binge and catch up. So I think that The the X-Files is interesting that you can kind of make a list like that and say, if you watch X number of episodes here, you're not really missing out on anything. You can watch this number of episodes and, and you're really, you've got the experience down pat. And I think that, that that's good for the X Files, but it also shows that there's a lot of weight in a lot of these seasons. Uh, and it also shows, I think, that. They probably had to write and rewrite, and AJ was talking earlier about all these things and serums and injections and, <laughs> uh, you know, viruses. And the, the general myth arc of the show gets very complicated. And, you know, we have the JFK-style monologue in this first episode uh, where he's just sort of, you know, vomiting through all of it uh, in the span of about, you know, a minute and a half. Right. Uh, and it's fascinating to see that all play out because that's sort of a, a, like a one-and-a-half-minute binge of everything that the show has covered before, uh, in terms of the myths. So that is a, it's an interesting kind of look at the way the show can be taken in. Uh, and the way that we take shows in now, it's fascinating. Rob, you mentioned the AFC championship game, the NFC championship game last year's AFC championship game lead in was the Patriots versus Colts. Scorpion on CBS aired after that 10 million less viewers, half the viewers, So the lead-in is important. The quality of the game is important. But I think people are wanting to see shows like this revived. Uh, Event television is something that I think more and more creators are trying to and networks are trying to put forward because people don't DVR it. They watch it live. They watch the commercials. It's good for advertising. Uh, So I think that this is the success of this show, and we'll, we'll see what it is after six. But I think the general success of this show is only going to lead to more things like this, not less.
3: Just to counter your point, Antonio, that Scorpion actually did better ratings on Monday night than X-Files did in night two.
1: Yeah, so crazy uh, the joke. way that Scorpion and X-Files fight back to back. Yeah, back to back. It's an
3: age-old rivalry. Good stuff, that Scorpion. It's the Cat McPhee bun. <laughs> Get over here! Could I pick up on what you were saying, Antonio, about that sure. monologue? That I mean, they really did start to lose me in terms of what the mythology of the show ultimately is with that like two minute period where we went through everything of like, can't you see that Roswell? And then there were aliens because of H bombs and then nine 11, uh, and consumerism and, and people are eating fast food and global warming. And then the Illuminati, of course, (laughs) like we were like, wait, what, what are we even talking about? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was easy to get lost in a lot of the, you know, the dialogue, which, you know, from what I've watched, AJ, you can speak to this, that feels fairly par for the course with X-Files, just getting really lost in its own wordiness.
2: Yeah, the X-Files mythology... I think I think there was a lot of it suffered from a lot of that kind of lost syndrome where because it didn't have an end date it didn't know when it would needed to wrap it up and the whole point of the x files mythology was there was this conspiracy that you could never get to the bottom to uh so because of that, it just started spiraling deeper and deeper uh into eventually became self-contradicting plot points. And, you know, even the most ardent fan who was trying to figure things out was getting completely confused by this. So yeah, you know, it, it it collapses under its own weight after a while. And I, I think to, to, Just simplify it to to the bare bones here and say, look, uh, Aliens landed at Roswell, and there's a conspiracy going on, and you don't really need to worry too much about it because we're never going to get to the bottom of it. Don't worry about that. It's just kind of the framework for the show. I think if you take it in that uh, regard, I think it works a little bit better. Uh, I'm concerned that Chris Carter is going to try and answer it in the final episode, Uh, and I don't don't think that's the point of the X-Files, but at the same time, if he sets it to the point where he's about to answer it and pulls the rug out from under people uh, I think people will find that a bit jarring and and you know start to get really upset about it so you know we we know how that turns out sometimes
1: Well, the worst part of that monologue is I found myself nodding my head along in agreement while he was saying it. So I think I just need to get, I think I really need to get out more is what the X-Files has taught me more than anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anthony, that's, that's a good lead into taking some of the questions from people who wrote in and Dave Backer had written in and says, is the X-Files a fit for where society currently is in the 21st
1: century? Uh, So, I mean, you were nodding along. I absolutely was. And and, you know, Mr. Robot, the show, Josh, that you and I both loved, I know, uh, from the first season, taps into a little bit of this, right? Uh, what's going on behind the scenes? Who's really pulling the strings? At, Evil Corp. You know, Evil Corp, uh, you know, whoever it is, right? And this is a, this is a thing that's out there uh, in the zeitgeist right now. Are these conspiracies and, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders is running his whole presidential campaign on, uh, and I'm not getting into politics, but I mean, this is part of what people are talking about is that maybe things are, if you look at them differently in society or events that happen, if you if you choose to look at them with a different lens, then you can actually see what many people believe is the kind of underpinning of events that have happened. And so the X-Files kind of meta story is to draw all of these things together and say they're all connected. It's all a big web. Like there's all these things that have happened. And, you know, there's this group of people who are dominating and ruling, and uh, they've been that way throughout. But I thought it was really funny that – um, Laura Maria Olson had kind of left us a comment um, that, that basically said, "So if people are doing this, if they're if they're going like throughout time, uh, throughout history, since Roswell for seventy years um, to take over the world or whatever." Uh, isn't it crazy that people would plot to not do something within the frame of their own lifetimes? Like, why, why are why are people like this is the long game and three generations will have it? Like, why aren't they trying to just flip the switch within like twenty or thirty years? I think that that's really funny, and uh, the X Files can't really answer that for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, Rob, this was a question from Brandon Fitzpatrick, who you know has provided so much for all the conversation on X Files. But he said, Rob, having never seen much of the original X Files, did this make you want to go back and watch more? I think I would be interested in sort of like
3: here are the cherry pick one off type episodes to go back and watch. I mean, I don't think that we've talked about or uncovered anything that's making me say I need to go back and rewatch the whole 10 season or nine seasons previous to this to sort of watch this amazing arc because As I think we're sort of discussing it, it, the whole thing is a bit of like a M.C. Escher drawing where, you know, it's just you really uh, like you think you're following the thread of something, which ultimately does not go anywhere from what from what I understand. But in terms of like one offs, I, I think that there's a bunch of things that were talked about that I would love to sort of just watch as
0: a single hour of television. AJ, what are your recommendations for that? I mean, we've got a big list from Brendan Fitzpatrick, which we'll post on com. but what are like the top three on the board AJ Mass recommended one-off X-Files episodes that you got to go back and watch?
2: Uh, I like I said, I, Darren Morgan, any of the ones that he wrote, he didn't write too many, um, but they're all knock out of the park. Uh so certainly Clyde Bruckman is, is is classic. Peter Boyle is like amazing Emmy winner for that episode. It's fantastic. Um there's Jose Ho- Jose Chungs from Outer Space is very funny episode. Uh it 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 lampoons. Is that like ex- Trisha Tanaka is dead? it yeah in many ways it, it it's very like that it's uh I, I don't want to spoil that one that one that one you just kind of have to watch uh it's 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 a classic one uh certainly that one makes me laugh in, entirely there's a really uh cool episode i forget which what the title is but it's it's an episode where um the cigarette smoking man spends the entire episode trying to sell his uh his novel uh and it's 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 a character piece just folkrick sing on the cigarette smoking man and uh, it, in the course of it, we learn that he is actually behind every conspiracy in, in the history of mankind himself, including the Bills losing the Super Bowl four times. Uh, it's, it's it's the the big punchline is that he's like the Buffalo Bills will not win Ouch. the Super Bowl when I'm alive, uh, and and but it's a heartbreaking episode. It really humanizes this monstrous character um, because all he wanted to do all all his life was be a successful uh, novelist, and and he's stuck. He's the most powerful person in the world, and, and yet he can't sell a novel and that like that, that kind of is, uh, it's heartbreaking. That's a really good episode as well. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of standalones, but I think like just go through the Darren Morgan library, see written by Darren Morgan, watch it. it, it it's a guaranteed home run.
0: Can I, Rob, can I give you a back to back recommendation of two episodes that you should watch? Okay. Based on, on my experience, watch squeeze and tombs, uh, from season one, which is about Horace Goodspeed from Lost, oh. as uh, a really, really effed up kind of mutant thing that's really gross and likes his own vomit a lot. Okay,
1: so go go that watch sounds up that. my alley.
0: Yeah, it's good. I really I liked think, it. I was I thoroughly grossed
1: out. We caught a glimpse of Tombs in the uh, first episode there, uh, just right at the beginning. So. Yeah. Um, I think that those are probably pretty notable ones for sure. AJ, is that one with Peter Boyle? Is that the same as the Frankenstein one or are we not that lucky?
2: No, we're not that lucky. <laughs> no, that, that, the Frankenstein one is uh, uh, something like the postmodern Prometheus or something like that. Um, and it's a good one. It, it, it's a good episode, but it's very different. It's off the beaten pack. Uh, you know, if you want to see one that's sort of uh, this one called Beyond the Sea, which, which is, is really good. Very, very character-driven between Mulder and Scully. Uh, but like I said, to me, I always enjoyed the oddballs. And I always enjoyed the ones that didn't take the show so seriously. Uh, so basically, if Chris Carter wrote it, I probably didn't like it so much because he was very serious and into the mythology. But when you have uh, Darren Morgan's episodes, when you have the ones written by Glenn Morgan, James Wong, those episodes are always, are always uh, really good as well. Uh, and those are the writing teams, that I, the writers that I really uh, enjoyed immensely.
0: Uh, this is another question from Jiff Probst, who says, are there any lessons the impending Twin Peaks revival can take from this X-Files event? AJ, I know you're a huge, huge Twin Peaks guy, uh, but I think even just kind of broadly, it, you can drill down into Twin Peaks too, but I think just broadly for shows that are getting brought back, and this is a thing... That has been happening and is going to continue to happen. You know, From Heroes coming back to 24 coming back. Prison Break is going to be coming back. Twin Peaks is coming back. Now X-Files is back. For other shows that are being resurrected, based on the two that we've seen here with X-Files so far, what lessons could be applied to shows that are coming back in the future?
2: I, I think for me, the, the problem with shows that come back... Uh, they have to come back with a purpose. They can't be coming back just to come back and throw the old gang back together. I think you need to have some sort of new hook to your story. Um, I was, after watching the first few episodes of Heroes Reborn, I, I, I was more enjoying the idea of Heroes being back on the air than actually what I was watching. And that, that nostalgic feel kind of wore off very quickly. Um, with, with the X-Files, I, I think, uh, I didn't feel the nostalgia so much in the first episode because I thought they were, were rewriting it and everything, and while it was very difficult for me to sit through, I think they came out on the other end at least uh, a little bit better because it seemed to me that they were trying to do something new with with the old show. They weren't just trying to uh, get the old gang back together, do new episodes of what we used to do. Um, Twin Peaks, when it comes back, it can't just try and be quirky and 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 Just pick up where you left off. It's 25 years later. There's a different sensibility. You have to be aware of that and uh, do the show, keep the characters, keep the feeling of the show together, certainly, but do it in today's, uh, you know, environment. And I think heroes didn't do it. Heroes were still trying to do heroes um, and it didn't work.
3: Well, it's hard to really take too many generalizations away from the two hours of X-Files that we've seen because it really hasn't been borne out. I think that we're still even trying to suss out whether or not this has come back and been a huge hit or if it the audience is going to sort of peter out by the end. But I just think that, you know, the takeaways are for me that they should probably like in watching these two episodes is that I think you want to have a strong story that you're telling and then just to sort of just be like feeding us more and more stuff that just to sort of like get us like enveloped in the mystery it's something that we talked about so much with lost versus the leftovers where The Leftovers sort of like made a conscious decision to say, hey, we're not explaining anything. And I think that The X-Files sort of just by its tagline, the truth is out there almost implies at some point it's going to be giving you answers, that the answers are out there and we will be getting them at some point. And I think that's a bit of false hope for the audience that's going to be following this. Do you believe that we will get the answers? I do not. Do Do you want to believe? I want to believe, but I have a feeling that the truth is never coming.
2: Uh-huh. Is that fair, AJ? Yeah. I, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that when you promise the truth, uh, <laughs> that the by the end of the series you're supposed to get the truth. But I think with X Files, uh I I think there was always that one hurdle that when they think they had gotten to the answer, there was always one more curtain to pull back. So I think in terms of the X-Files, I'm not expecting the answers because I think the X-Files has said, you know, in in the X-Files world, yeah, Mulder thinks the truth is out there, but it's also out beyond your grasp. So I, I think by saying true to that, they're not going to give the answers. I I think the X-Files loses if they give the answer because I don't think it would be satisfying.
0: Um, Any final hot takes on X-Files before we start wrapping this thing up? AJ, any, any final, final thoughts on the return of a show that at least at one point in your life you held near and dear to your heart?
2: I I said it's, it's for me, it is the nostalgia is great, but it's more than that. Um, It's they're They're, trying to have fun with it I think. Uh the, I didn't particularly love the conning of the first episode, but like I said, they had to do that because it the storylines that were going on wouldn't work today. So they needed to update it and change it a little bit. I think for me the series and whether it's a success or not hinges on the next two episodes um because my expectations are really high given given the writers and the stories that I'm expecting for them. Uh in terms of episode 5 and 6, if Chris Carter, you know, screws it up I'm not really gonna hold the series responsible I'm just gonna hold Chris Carter responsible um, I'm still gonna love Mulder and Scully and you know I get to see Gillian Anderson kind of play a pseudo Scully in a show like the fall and I highly recommend anyone who's a fan of the x-files and a fan of Dana Scully um, watch the fall yeah she's got a bit of an accent in it because she's, it takes place in Northern Ireland but um, she's fantastic and she's really just playing Scully uh, so it's to me Scully is one of the greatest uh, female characters ever put on television and i, I adore her i adore jillian anderson's portrayal and um you know scully on tv again this is a success for me regardless of what happens
0: yeah i i was reading a great article from uh patrick Klepek on kotaku uh who is talking about uh the x-files is back this is like his his big nostalgia thing and he's so excited that it's here And then it turned out that the premiere, the headline is, the X-Files premiere was terrible and I still loved it. Uh, And an an excerpt from it is, last night's premiere was, was a disaster, a nonsensical script given no help by wooden acting from the two people you figured might be into this, Mulder and Scully. Few plot motivations make sense. Almost everything about the mythology has been tossed out the window. And after spending nine seasons respecting the series defining characters, they've become bumbling idiots. And yet, I could not give less of a shit, and I don't care if it gets better. I'm going to watch and relish every episode with a glass of whiskey and a toast to what it used to be. If the X Files UFO is going down, I'm going down with it. Um, I get the sense that there is a feeling of that too, for even people who did not care for the X Files premiere but were big fans of the show. It's just kind of like, at least we have some more Mulder and Scully on television. Like, even if it's not good, you know, at least those people that I really love are back. And I could kind of give a hoot if it's not great.
2: Yeah, I just think the next two episodes are what I was hoping for in a revival. It's just like, I think M- Mulder and Scully meet the Weremonster is the name of the third episode. That just screams, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and, and a reprise of Home with Home again is, is, since that to me is one of the most memorable, uh, X-Files episodes of the first run, I think those two are really going to be knock them out of the park home runs. And if, if they're not, then I'm going to be sad and depressed and probably those two judge everything for this revival, whether it's worth it or not. But, uh, you know, I, in terms of X files as a whole, I don't care in terms of like these individual moments. Uh, uh, that's what I hold dear. And I think I'm going to get two more moments out of this and, and that's worth it. Um, all right,
0: well let's, let's wrap up here. What are we doing next week? Antonio? What's Mosho's recap going to be getting into next week.
1: We've talked a little bit about this on, uh, recap recapped already. Uh, we had a hashtag based around this, But we're going to get really deep uh, into what I think a lot of people are going to be talking about next week, uh, which is the people versus O.J. Simpson, Uh, the... American crime story uh, show uh, series, if you will, short run here mini series on FX, uh, the OJ Simpson story, a Sharknado J, I believe is how we called it. Uh, yes. Although it sounds like it, it might actually be pretty good. Great cast, uh, or at least an interesting cast, uh, and we'll see about people having fun with things. And like, like, uh, like this, I think the lesson really from the X Files, and it's the lesson from. The Force Awakens, is that I think you really have to nail the tone uh, and and really be fun with it uh, if you're bringing stuff like this back. And uh, it will be interesting to see how much fun they have with the circus that surrounded what a horrible crime uh, there was uh, in the early 1990s there with Nicole Brown Simpson. Um, people remember the crime, certainly, but they remember the circus surrounding it and all the media and all the characters and different people that were in play. So if they have fun with that, uh, and they do a fun job of kind of bringing that back to life. I think that it'll be an enjoyable series.
0: Rob, are you excited for Sharkna- Sharknado J2, the second one? I'm
3: very excited for both uh Sharknado and Sharknado J. What's that the Civil Suit uh documentary that they're going to make on FX? So yeah, I'm very excited for that. Really, you know, it's it's as much fun as you can have with a true crime murder. I think that uh kudos to FX for finally bringing this uh, to the screen so very excited about next week's show I do have w- one last question for AJ before he goes I want to hear more about the X-Files viewing parties that AJ used to have <laughs> and I would love to know the Mulder to Scully ratio at those parties uh,
2: well this this was with my improv troupe at the time and so I would say it was a good 50-50 Whoa. indeed yes although wow. you know uh, uh, your mileage may vary <laughs> Sleepy Mulder would have had a, a good time at that point. Moldy Molder,
0: Moldy yeah. Molder too. Yeah, I think that's an easy hashtag. Hashtag Moldy Molder. Home run
2: hashtag. Yeah. Antonio. Home, run, home run
0: hashtag, for sure. If you got to the end of this thing, follow these guys on Twitter. AJ is at AJ Mass. Rob is at Rob Sesternino. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. I'm at Round Howard. Uh, subscribe to what we're doing here on Posture Recaps. PostureRecaps.com slash iTunes. And for our most shows recapped feed, postshowrecaps.com slash MSR iTunes fun show today guys talk to y'all again soon bye